Radio Outcast is a groovy, gunslinging podcast for mature audiences. Content warning. This episode contains depictions of torture, panic attacks, and graphic psychological violence near the end of the episode that may be upsetting for some listeners. We encourage our listeners to prioritize their safety before venturing ahead. Thank you. Emmy's losing it. She's totally, utterly desperate. This delusion about her and Helix. Bound for eternity. Has gone on for far too long. And Charles, the human puppet man, he made that deal with Helix to try and win one of her powers. And Emmy... Emmy went into hysterics, transformed the heavens into a slow-mo soup. So who did she turn to? Charles might be her ears, but I'm Emmy's eyes. I've watched that ridiculous little trio go from dust town to desert and desert to the city streets and now they're in this little arena. A fitting place for a battle between sisters now. <laughs> oh no, it's been a real pleasure watching you suffer, Helix, but that was child's play. Now, now it's my turn. DJ Furtrap back on the mic. Come on, everybody. Let's have fun tonight. Here, across the nation, and across the world. Everybody. (laughs) I put my arms up in the air and spun round and round and round to the music. I haven't felt as free as I did today since I hung out on the mortal plane in the 70s. I even taught a couple humans how to make a train with me. We linked arms together and took a spin around the rank with me on the end. It didn't matter that we all smelled bad or that we were all strangers. It was just irrevocable, spirit-relieving fun, you know? I was having fun, Mom. Like... (laughs) Can, can, can you just fucking think of the last time you had fun with the rest of the Pantheon? If that's ever even happened? <sighs> Whatever. It's not like you're listening to my prayers anyways. 
Jesse came back from the stables with a little kid beside him. I fell out of the train and skated toward him. I gave two thumbs up, did a festive little twirl, and Jesse just pointed toward the arcade area where he'd be. When I wasn't escorting a guy, I was escorting a kid. Barefoot was having a good time. Never seen anyone dance quite like her before. Swinging her legs round and moving like a worm. But it didn't seem to bother no one. In fact, instead everyone around her was joining in and trying to copy some of what she did. Swear I saw Helix lift one leg up in the air and somersault without falling over. Osgood was about as talented as she was. He sure looked funny with his three-piece suit spinning around in circles and dancing with his arms out like a pair of wings. But even I can admit the man's good. Over here! This way! The boy dragged me to some indoor carnival. At least that's what it looked like. A bunch of futuristic machines popping with noises and colors. Kids running around, dropping coins on the ground. Any sign of your parents, kid? Maybe. Got a name? Yep. Wanna tell me what it is? No, I I don't know you, mister. Yeah, that's fair. Name's Jesse. What's yours? This one! Huh? stopped walking at one of the carnival games. The men working at the booth smiled at him and waved. A row of flimsy-looking rifles sat at the booth counter. Looked like they were bolted down with some metal. You his pa! The man chuckled and shook his head. The kid stood at the edge of the booth, pressed his hands against the counter, and started kicking his heels under the oversized coat. Let's play, let's play this one. What? I'm gonna shoot all of those bottles down. Kid, I got better things to do. We're looking for your folks, not shooting practice. Come on. Started walking off, but the kid didn't follow. He hadn't even looked over at me. Kid was standing at the booth, lifting one of the rifles to his chin. Let's go. just kept ignoring me. I stomped back to him and lifted the rifle from his hand. One game. That's it. Then parents. Alright? Teach me how to shoot straight. So I did. Spent a whole dollar on the kid. One half bet. But then he wanted me to play too. And I got a tad carried away. Folks gathered around us as I hit target after target, asking for trick shots from the crowd like I was Buffalo Bill or something. 
Show me, show me. All right. Hold it this way. Oh, you did it different. That's because I'm a southpaw. See, I use my left hand for most things. That means I'm a southpaw. But you ain't like me. So, hold it like this. Whoa. Right. Now, let's fix how you're standing. <laughs> I'm gonna call you Southpaw. <laughs> well, I guess that's alright. We spent a while at that booth. Anytime I shot something with my eyes closed, the crowd started chanting, Southpaw, Southpaw. <laughs> Kept asking for more and more trick shots. Until finally, the kid's paw called him over. Alright folks, is everyone ready for tonight's competition? Alright, my boy's gonna hand out tonight's prize. Where are you hiding, little fur trap? The kid grabbed my hand and started running around the floor where all the folks were skating. We went to a long table where a burly man sat covered head to toe in furs. It was the loud man who'd spent all day shouting nonsense to keep folks entertained. There you are, bud. Hey, man. Thanks for watching him for me. You competing or watching? Watching, I guess. Cool, man. Ain't tied a moment. There he is, folks. Rink on the moon's favorite little model. <laughs> He lifted his kid up in the air for everyone to see. The boy's sleeves fell down to his elbows as he shook his fist triumphantly in the air. <laughs> and then the competition began. Mom, the whole thing was killer. Everyone had so much fun. Uh, there was a nice young couple who did a few turns on the rink, then crossed their arms and linked their hands, and did a few synchronized kicks along with the music before spinning together in something like a waltz. Then a woman in men's clothing hit the crowd with a sassy two-step. After a few others, it was finally my turn. I started with a bit of backwards walking, some cross steps, a couple of spins on a single skate, and then I hit them with everything else.
I ended in the splits with the backs of my hands over my eyes. For a moment, while all I could see was my skin glowing red from the lights above, I just listened to them. Their applause, their recognition, their approval. Then, it was Charles's turn. I passed him to join the rest of the crowd behind the rink wall. Charles nodded at me, then he glided toward the center of the arena. The rink quickly flooded with smoke. I, I couldn't tell you a damn thing about where the fog came from. Seems like it lifted from the floor, honestly. Then the lights turned off. A single spotlight illuminated him. Charles lifted one hand into the light. Where did he find gloves? Well, he suddenly had them. It had rhinestones on the palms. He flashed his hands out and spun in figure eights. Charles combed through the fog, drawing lines of air with his fingers, and then he disappeared into the clouds. When the beat dropped, he emerged six feet off the ground, out from the fog and landing perfectly on one foot. The crowd was just totally losing it. I mean, shit, I was losing it. Where did he get all these moves? I mean, he was good before, but this, this was fucking amazing. Charles closed his routine by placing the backs of his hands over his eyes, just like I did in my routine but the rhinestones added quite the flair. It looked like he had stars for eyes. He soared through the clouds faster and faster until he literally became a blur of white suit and diamond eyes. It was the fastest I'd ever seen someone skate. And right as the song ended, he shot his arms backward and leapt into the air. Landing the wrong way could mean a broken neck. I mean, I, I've seen joints pop out on the rink floor, but no, no, not Charles. The spotlight followed him in the air as he landed a perfect forward acceleration backflip, one of skating's most legendary moves. And I just, I couldn't believe it. Not the skating thing, I, I guess, because Charles is full of surprises, like he said, but my power? Charles just won my power. 
Once I finished the routine, my lungs demanded to escape me. That horrible woman filled the entire room with smoke. I felt as though I'd gone through a dozen cigars while running on foot from the law. My lungs burned, my vision was just shy of gone, and what was worse, I couldn't even enjoy what was clearly, clearly a landslide victory. <coughs> it looks like we have our winner! I raised a hand in thanks to my audience and made my way to the man called DJ Fur Trap. He shook my hand, pulled the fur coat off of the child dancing next to him, and handed the prize over to me. Clean that coat before bringing those sleeves anywhere near my face. <laughs> Hey. Barefoot, what you did out there was something else. Simply stunning. Hmm. But Charles, that was really something. Oh. I mean, that thing you did where you, you know, what do you call that? I, uh... And when did, when did you change back into your suit? I swear I saw you out there in some sparkling white. Indeed. Although backflips are not the standard in ballet, not even in Berlin, <laughs> but I, I do have some ballroom experience, <laughs> as all fashionable gentlemen ought. Well, Charles, it looks like you beat me fair and square. You, you really pulled out all the stops. I, I didn't even think to ask the staff about using a fog machine. How'd you convince them? Charles threw the coat over his shoulder and smiled. Uh, you know, <laughs> sometimes simply asking for help is good enough. Hmm. For a guy like Charles, who just loves to brag and narrate every single iota of his decision-making and how he succeeded, he sure got real quiet. Of course, I could pluck his brain for the truth. I could stare him down and draw out some rambling explanation, but what kind of goddess would I be, Mom? To break my promises? To intimidate just because I lost? I'd be just like Emmy, wouldn't I? <sighs> no. No, I... I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Maybe this is a, a test of my will, or, or one of Emmy's tests? <sighs> She'd want me to squash his dreams, kill the promise. A typical goddess would never make a bargain like this and sacrifice such a gift. But I don't want to be typical. Besides, at the end of my sentence, or whatever the hell Emmy wants to call this, all my powers will revert back to me as soon as I enter the heavens. So, let's just hope this isn't one of the major powers. <sighs> well, a deal's a deal. You get my power. I'm sorry. You're giving him what? 
Yeah, uh... I promised Charles if he won that he'd get this tower's power. Mm-hmm. On purpose? Are you out of your goddamn mind? Interesting. As a goddess, do you think she damned her own mind? How'd you trick her into this, huh? Talking in circles like this? I did no such thing. She was the one who challenged me. Oh, barefoot. This is one of your dumber decisions. Don't have a cow. It's fine. Right, Charles? Hmm. <laughs> All right, Jesse. Do you have a knife on you? Yeah. Here. You sure about this? <laughs> I'm sorry, but what is this knife for exactly? <laughs> Give me your hand. My hand for what? I need your blood. Whoa! Quit being such a wimp and give me your hand. Can't we just use yours? No, no. You won, remember? Now give me your blood, Charles. No, I'm not gonna... That knife is... Have you seen everything that he does with that knife? He eats his food with that knife. He cleans his boots. Your friends are weird. You ain't wrong about that one. Should probably stop her from running around in skates while pointing a knife. Yeah, don't need any deaths today. <laughs> Sorry about him. I'll go take care of it. See you, kid. Bye! Despite my protestations, Helix had Jesse hold me still in the end. She sliced my palm and then rubbed her hand on the blood. Okay, be right back. Helix skated to the tower in the center of the floor. She pressed her hand with my blood onto its black surface and waited, closing her eyes. The point of contact glowed as it often did but a sudden warmth spread from my own chest and bloomed out to the rest of my body. That felt strange. You get used to it. Mistress, I do hope you are proud. I shall elaborate the gift I received. At once the sounds around me became singular. Yes, still in a glorious social harmony, a cacophony of chat and plastic upon wood, but each one its own sort of identity within me. I suddenly understood how to piece them apart. At this moment, I was unsure what the power was in particular, but as Helix, Jesse, and I strolled from the wooden floor, I made an instinctive attempt. This is how your powers work, no? The... Instructions are encoded within. I, I sought out the garish music coming from above, and I altered its direction. What I could, I'd silence the terrible sounds entirely, but I could not. Merely, I could manipulate its direction. The way that noise approached me. The power seems to work from the gut, or perhaps the chest. 
it has no discernible sensory result. Merely, I imagine the command of sound manipulation to reach out from my chest to grab the invisible sounds and cast them aside. Well, I elaborated such to Helix, and she seemed relieved, as though this power were not one of her most urgent or beloved. Nevertheless, Mistress Emmy, it should come in handy. Were there to be a whispering across the way, I could pull its secrets closer to me. Were Jesse to prattle on about his mistrust in me, his diary ambitions, <gasps> I could fling his voice in some other direction. It's what a pleasant gift, no? I thanked Helix for keeping her end of the bargain and excused myself once more to the lavatories to wash my wound. Once inside, the door locked shut behind me. Spectra lounged against the backside of the door, cigarette still in hand. Just as before, a fear tightened in my stomach. Oh, you're still here. <laughs> Thank you for your assistance, Spectra. I couldn't have succeeded without it. Yeah, whatever. I didn't stick around for your thanks. I came to deliver one last thing to you. From Emmy. From my mistress! <laughs> what is it? A warning. The room filled once more with smoke. Before me, the wash basin disappeared behind a wall of dark green clouds. A most rancid smell filled the air. Rot. Death. Amidst the jungle of smoke, Spectra stepped away. She faded into the peculiar deepness. Mistress, you have shown me the underbelly of the gods. Tendrils of black smoke reached across the green clouds. My lungs filled, heaved for breath, and I fell to the floor. I did not mistake your message as cruelty, mistress. I do swear. Please know that when I wept there, in the lavatories, I did so from the knowing how those black tendrils took the shape of my own face, a floating, noxious Charles Osgood staring down at me. Each cough I made, the phantom self-image warped, altered, his eyes bloating outward and leaving black, accursed fluids, his lips bulging and cracking a sickly blue. I closed my eyes, but the vision would not escape me. I crawled through the mist. Soon... I found the cold lavatory wall, climbed my way up to shaky knees. I wouldn't dare ignore your message, Mistress Emmy. I faced it 
I would receive it. I placed my back against the wall and stared into the face of a man I would become. A defiled and deformed Charles Osgood were I to betray you. But I shall not. I have won today with the help of dear Spectra. I kept your truth concealed. My reward is a warning and I accept it. I took my step forward across the lavatory and stroked the tendril chin of the noxious Charles Osgood. And then the mist went asunder, lifted through the ceiling, and away. I washed the blood from my palm. Mistress, I will not fail you. Radio Outcast was created by Maria Fernanda Vidal-Rozaga and J.T. Lachese, and produced by Anne Hughes, starring Griffin Otto Deniger as DJ Furtrap, Jay Duong as Helix, Ivory Amor Di Francisca as Jesse Rogers, Maria Fernanda Vitarozaga as The Kid and Spectra, and Daniel A. Stevens as Charles Osgood. This episode was written by Fernanda, directed by Fernanda, with dialogue editing by Anne, sound design by JT, and theme music by Samuel Kinsella. Helix's performance music is an original song written and performed by Gemini. Spelled G-E-M-Y-N-I. Check out Gemini on Spotify this Friday for the official release of Limelight. That's Friday, January 21st, 2022. Charles's performance song is Familiar Long Hours by the electronic artist Peachface, who you can also find on Spotify. Or find links to all the music in this episode on our website. And a heads up. This marks the penultimate episode of Season 1. Come back on February 2nd, 2022 for Part 1 of the finale episode for Radio Outcast Season 1. As always, you can find us online at RadioOutcast.com or follow us on Instagram at RadioOutcastPod and Twitter at Radio underscore Outcast. If you like what you hear, let us know by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or Good Pods. This helps us reach more listeners and gives us a chance to see what you all think of the show. If you aren't sure what to say but would still like to show your support, you can rate the show on any of those platforms and now on Spotify at the top of the Radio Outcast page right from your phone. If you'd like to help us grow, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash radio underscore outcast. Our patrons get access to behind-the-scenes material, original scripts, and bonus content, including our very first Q&A session with our lovely producer in the voice of Emmy, Anne Hughes. But if that's too big of a commitment for you, if you become a patron at the CODA tier for as little as $1 a month, you too could get a special shout-out at the end of our episodes, like... World-famous rollerblader Kyrie O, also known as the Ballroom Blitz. 
My mom's favorite rollerblader, Gnome H, better known as the Cyclone. The rollerblader you always see on TV, Pat C, better known as Mr. Sunshine. A rollerblader who once performed for the Queen. Which Queen? All of them. Alan L, better known as Love Lightning. He might as well have invented rollerblading. Dan W, better known as Fenderbender. She once outbladed the legendary Stevie Nicks, Melissa L, better known as Femme Fatale. You know her, you love her. She invented the hurricane backflip. It's Sarah F, rollerblading's reigning queen of the Midwest. Rax W once used two empty Pringles cans as rollerblades and still won the competition. And that's why we know them as Pringle and Ready to Mingle. <laughs> Marcos L started off designing <laughs> Marcos L started off designing rollerblades, then said, "You know what? I'm going to test my product." And he bladed from West Texas to Anchorage, Alaska. And that's why we know him as the Interstate Blade. I once heard an interview with Patricia D, who claimed that she won 207 grand champion titles. Well, that was wrong. It was 208. That's why we know her as quite simply the champ. I can't remember, was it VCA staging that rollerbladed down the side of a three-story building? Or was she the one who bladed out from a moving plane onto a boat? Only to land with a handstand? Oh right, she did both of those. Lisbeth S. prefers an elegant adventure. Rollerblading down the lakeside, cutting through the city streets with the wind in her hair, an iced latte in one hand, and a good book in the other. She's the one who passes you by on a sunny day, and you say to yourself, I want to be like Lisbeth. Val V. I tried competing against Val V. It was 1993. I remember it like it was yesterday. Everything was on the line. The trophy. The title. The prize. I was first up on the rink. I pulled out every stunt. Spins, dips, and splits. But as soon as Val V went out there, I knew it was over. She pointed one hand at the audience and said, Don't blink. My old rollerblading buddy, Juan P. He taught me how to skate and sing at the same time. Trust me, it's not as easy as it sounds. That's why he's known as Lightning Pavarotti. His identity has been hidden for years. We all know him as Shadow Royale, the blading king of the South and the reigning champion of Houston. But I met him. He told me his name is Andy S. Aaron B. helped me up my style like you wouldn't believe. Before I met Aaron, I was rocking around in a pair of wooden wheels, old gray skates, and a hand-me-down leotard. But Aaron pulled me aside and said, Hey bud, 
Let me show you how to skate with grace. Also, you need a new leotard. Think of physics rollerblading performances as high art. He calls himself Mr. Roboto, wearing a suit of blinking lights and contorting his body like Wally somehow became fused with Nathan Chin. Why do they call Susan D. the Reign of Pain? It's not because she's a particularly violent rollerblader. No. In fact, she's probably the nicest person you'll ever meet. It's just that one time, at the International Blading Competition, she jumped so high into a backflip that she accidentally smashed her blades into a light bulb and the glass came raining down. No one was hurt. It was just really cool. Fearless Leela Rose. The name says it all. Fearless. Harry Houdini had nothing on them. I've seen Fearless Leela Rose blade through ten rings of fire, only to come out with a perfectly cooked s'more. Album of the Year. Rollerblader of the Year. Time Magazine's most influential singer-slash-rollerblader. It's Chelsea S., better known as The Sensation. He started off as a stunt double for the John Wick movies, but then he decided, you know what? I want something more fast-paced. So he picked up some skates, and the rest was history. Now we know him as Rocket Man, but you can call him Sebastian. And last, but certainly not least, the Nameless Thief, who once rollerbladed against a cheetah just to see if, finally, at last, some living being could compete with their skills. And the cheetah almost caught up until it couldn't. To all of our patrons, thanks again. We really appreciate you. And to everyone listening, safe travels.